0: You're listening to The McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The McKinsey Podcast. I'm Bar Seitz, Global Publishing Lead for McKinsey's Marketing and Sales and Digital Practices, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Alex Singla, a senior partner based in McKinsey's Chicago office, and Ellie Larea, partner in our Boston office. They both are deeply involved in McKinsey's work on digital services and are also the co-authors of the Next Generation Operating Model for the Digital World, by the way, among the most popular articles we've published in the last couple of years. I'll be exploring with them what the Next Generation Operating Model for the digital age actually is, what the management challenges are in running one well, and what it takes to make it work. So let's start the conversation. Ellie, I'd like to start with you. What do you mean when you talk about the next-generation operating model? Can you bring it to life for me?
1: Yes, of course, Baron, and hello to everyone. So when we think about the way we think about the next-generation operating model, it's actually as a mechanism to help us address the challenges that most of the executives are facing in digital age, as you were mentioning. In almost every organization these days, there is some type of digital initiative that's underway. They have probably been experimenting with advanced analytics in the last few years, and are probably right now most likely figuring out what to do in terms of robotics, automation, and how to capture the most value out of that. All of this is happening at the same time and very often led by different people within the organization. And quite honestly, like different agendas, aspirations, pace, implementing this next generation operating model is a way to bring some order and discipline to that process while also making sure the focus is on building value, right? When we think about an effective next-generation operating model, we really think about two things. One is organizing the efforts around the end-to-end customer journeys, as well as some of the internal back-office processes. This means identifying the critical journeys and providing the perspective on the customer journey end-to-end and where the value is. The second element is moving away from using individual technologies and operations capabilities in a piecemeal and siloed way to applying them to these journeys in combination and in the right sequence. So that's moving away from the silo thinking that we have had for years in the organization. For example, in insurance, the FNOL or the first notice of loss process, which is right at the beginning of the claims end-to-end journey. This would mean, for example, combining advanced analytics, adding some type of predictive modeling uh, to flag claims and triage them to the right person with automation.
0: Great. that I want to dig into this a little bit more, but Alex, as we were preparing for this conversation, I remember I was really struck by the sense of urgency. And you were mentioning about why businesses need to really address now, dealing with the operating model, and it's not an insignificant effort, but what about the urgency? Can you really talk to why it's so imperative now to focus on such a large uh, endeavor like developing the next generation operating model?
2: I'll give you four specific examples or four specific reasons I think now is the right time. One, customer and agent behavior and expectations is fundamentally changing. They continue to go through the roof. In regards to what your customers are expectation on a day-to-day basis in terms of their ability to do self-service speed of execution responsiveness and so forth and interestingly same with your agents so depending on you know your distribution channel your distribution partners are also looking for that level of service and experience so they can best sell and grow two is even though interest rates have somewhat increased over time more recently uh, they're still expected to stay low so for any business for a company in which float matters and they're making investments for the long term with interest rates staying low means they have to recoup and make money in other ways. Three, many technology startups, insure tax fintechs, are posing real serious threats to the current incumbents. And therefore, if companies don't quickly transform, there's a real risk that others will come in and quite frankly leapfrog them and take all the economic rents and share in the market in a pretty fast way because customers will very quickly move to the next world. So the old adage around Blockbuster and Netflix and how quickly Blockbuster went out of business, giving Netflix was truly, you know, transformative and a disruptor in the industry. And then the fourth reason I think now is the time is because like in industries like banking, regulatory and compliance costs are mounting while price transparency continues to increase. And even in insurance the same price transparency is happening, in which case that puts a tremendous level of extra pressure on cost and reducing cost.
0: So these reasons, they're certainly compelling. Is it fair to say that most executives are already aware of them? And if that's the case, then what is keeping them back from really making this commitment to upgrading their operating model? And maybe talk a little bit about why is that the decision they need to take now?
2: As Elian mentioned, there is a lot of activity going on in organizations across different initiatives. We go to any given company and people will say they're doing advanced analytics, they're doing digital, they're doing elements of automation, robotics, they're pulling their procurement lever. But the reality is that there is, to some degree, very little impact that has achieved. In fact, many companies are actually destroying value because they have a level of uncoordinated efforts. The reason this is occurring is twofold. One is, the activities they're doing are in small pockets. They're they're siloed, they're pilots, and their inability to scale them across the institution really holds them back from having dramatic impact. And the second thing we find is those four or five levers I just articulated around digital analytics, automation, procurement, and so forth, are all independently driven events within an institution. So different governing bodies, different executives who own those, and therefore they typically end up attacking the exact same value streams, the exact same customer or agent journeys, and therefore are very, very hard to actually get prioritization and impact in that regard. The other reason we think they're not getting the impact is, quite frankly, the companies are just moving too slow. In an increasingly challenging environment where most companies are facing tremendous cost pressure, speed matters. So the next-generation operating model really combines a bunch of these technologies and operational levers in a tailored sequence and integrated way to get stacked wins for companies in terms of customer experience, significant reduction in cost, and better positioning them for
0: growth. This point about integration and how you need to have multiple elements working in conjunction to really drive this next-generation operating model and make it successful, have the impact that companies really aren't seeing yet with their digital initiatives. That sounds like a spin of a transformation program, a classical transformation program. But it's about much more than implementing technology. Um, It's a more fundamental change. So, Ellie, can you talk a little bit about what needs to happen so these various parts of the organization can actually work together effectively to power this next generation operating model?
1: I'll mention a couple of things. The first one might seem a bit obvious, but it's really critical. This has to come from the top because it touches so many parts of the organization. Building a next-generation operating model isn't about working on some pilot to the side. This is core to the business, and it will touch IT, it will touch operations, marketing, supply chain, everything. And for that reason, This needs to have active leadership from the CEO and the CXO level in the organization. Point number two, we need to really understand what are the core most important customer journeys and what are the most significant pain points that will add value, and we will need to prioritize against those.
2: Ellie, just building off it, one of the analogies I think about is if you think about a contractor remodeling a house, the contractor needs to know the electrician needs to come in, lay the electrical, put it behind the wall, do all the wiring before they bring in the drywaller to wall the wall. And how you coordinate those things in a seamless way matters. So if you think of that same analogy for some person in operations, the CEO or the CEO who's driving a digital services type of transformation, obviously it's very hard politically to say all these leaders who might own digital analytics, robotics, or automation procurement now will report to them. But what they need to be able to do is figure out how do you actually seamlessly work across those people as a contractor does, pulling in the right skills and capabilities at the right time and in the right order.
0: So let me push you to a little bit on this model. Alex, what are some of the processes and enablers a company would need to put in place to really make sure that this vision of integrated working team actually happens on the ground?
2: A couple of things I would say. One is first and foremost... Having a a very clear view and common vocabulary around what are the customer journeys or agency journeys when you look at a company. So how does a company look at you from end to end? Usually that's going to cut across different silos within the institution, but getting a common vocabulary and also clarity around what are the customer journeys. The second is either at the enterprise or a major business unit level, what is the prioritization of customer journeys you're going to tackle. So if you think of waves of tackling customer journeys over time, what's in the first wave, second wave, third wave, hugely important because different waves and different end-to-end value streams or customer journeys will dictate what assets, digital analytics, or capabilities are going to be required and when. So that's kind of two. The third thing I would say is you need agreed upon KPIs and metrics for accountability. So having metrics that look at end-to-end value versus siloed impact. Hugely important because it gets everyone thinking in that end-to-end journey about what happens before them and after them because they recognize they're just part of the process from a customer perspective. The next thing is role modeling from the top. Ellie referred to it. These programs are often CEO or very senior C-suite level driven. I couldn't agree more, but that role modeling not just at the top of the house, but at all layers that then cascade into the organization. So if you're doing this type of transformation within a specific business unit, that business unit leader and the managers or or direct reports of that business unit better walk the walk every single day on this concept of integration. It also requires a new culture. It's a new way of working. This is a much more agile way for the organization to adapt uh, rapidly and be flexible to the market. It requires some elements of test and learn and comfortability with being able to fail and, you know, fail and fix quickly. So in other words, you need processes and reinforcement mechanisms, incentives, KPIs, methodology, but also an ability to move people fluidly into various roles, given what they're going to have to go do might change day to day as you to go through some of this type of transformation.
1: One of the typical challenges that normally I think companies are going through right now in trying to implement this, right, because it's a very good concept, but then when it comes to execution, it actually becomes uh, pretty complicated, right? When when you're thinking about engaging into or starting your transformation and that end-to-end journey, I think also the pace at which this will happen, it'll be completely different from the one that we are used to. And we are are not talking any longer about months of development to get a new solution out there and testing in the market. We are talking about weeks.
0: As you talk about putting this model into place, the behaviors, the KPIs, I'd imagine there's this first phase where the company and people are trying it, but there needs to be an adjustment period where learnings are actually incorporated and built on, where adjustments are made to really get the most out of this next generation operating model. So could you talk a little bit, you know, in very practical detail, what does that intervention look like? What do executives need to do to really make sure that this machine is functioning the way it should be? They will
1: need to be much more present probably than it used to be. And just to make it very practical for you, Bar and, and Alex, feel free to build on this. If you envision, right, like this is this is a place, like a lab type of environment where you'll have different resources from the organization working together to work really in a few weeks getting out there with something new that will dramatically change some of the needs that that our customers have. We really need those at the top and the leaders of those different teams to be there present where the change is happening. This shouldn't be a surprise after a few weeks when everything is done, where we are going to pilot. It should be something that they actually are seeing almost every week. And we should create that culture where it's totally fine, that top-level executive in the organization will walk by, try to understand what the progress is, try to get a conversation, what are some of the challenges that are happening in terms of the development or whatever solution we are working on.
2: Ellie mentioned one thing that I just want to build off of, which is there is the only way these types of transformations are actually long-term successful and sustainable is with frontline adoption and ownership. Because there's a lot of things we can do with digital analytics, automation, and procurement, and some other levers that really can transform the business. But at the end, there are still people who are going to have to work day in and day out running the business at the front line, interacting with your customers every single day. And those people need to go through their own little cultural transformation so they know how to work in the new world. So in addition to kind of metrics that guide them to the right areas and role modeling from their managers or their bosses, there is also an element of are we training those people the right way? Are we upskilling them to work in a new way? Are we teaching them new processes that they're going to work in? And then how are we capturing the hearts and minds of those people so they feel ownership of that new end-to-end process and are willing to work in that new way, recognizing oftentimes right, it does incorporate some element of new skills, new capabilities, with new technologies that they're going to have to learn to work with.
0: I want to shift the conversation a little bit now to this point around the multiplier effect of these capabilities. We've talked about analytics and robotics and AI. These are all tools that can really enable the next generation operating model. So this idea of the multiplier effect where digitizing processes creates more data, which is crunched by advanced analytics to create better and faster insights... So clearly it's cyclical, there's a journey, but could you talk a little bit about what are some of the design guidelines, Ellie, that companies need to get in place so that these capabilities can really come together and work in this multiplier effect rather than just doing individual tasks?
1: It comes down to to three things, probably, and the first one is getting the most out of each of these capabilities, right? So if you think about advanced analytics, robotics, digital really pushing the boundaries to get to the highest level of sophistication. I think we said earlier, right, that almost every organization is testing or like experimenting with uh, with these capabilities, but very few times we actually find organizations and companies that are pushing them to, to really the highest level of sophistication that you can get out of those. The second one would be getting the sequencing right. This is not about just having a bunch of different initiatives and throwing in there like into a customer journey with the hope that everything will work together and we'll get this multiplier effect. It does really matter, and a lot, the sequence at which we actually choose to implement them. And in some cases, the right formula or the right recipe should be, we will start with automating some of the more manual tasks, and once that is done, we will just bring some digital capabilities on top of that and think about, for example, adding some advanced analytics, predictive modeling. Some other times, depending on the customer journey, it will be a different sequence. And then the third thing that I mentioned is you also need to step up from a journey-to-journey perspective or view to a company-wide view, right? So we often think about, we talked a lot about a concept that we call the heat map, but it's a visual articulation of, you want to see, like, all your customer journeys, and you want to see also how they are scoring or how, they, how mature they are across these capabilities that we have been mentioning, right, digital robotics, etc.
0: I'm surprised that you mentioned this point about needing to get a greater degree of sophistication from existing capabilities. I would have thought that companies would be doing that anyway. Why is that not happening?
2: If I look across kind of the companies I interact with, there isn't a company that I spend time with who isn't saying they're doing some elements of analytics, they're not doing some elements of automation, they're not doing some elements of digitization, and so forth, and procurement. Of course, they all are. Um, if you're, you know, if you're working in 2017, most companies these are doing something along the dimensions. What I would say is, if you look at the the variability between those companies who are really attacking those opportunities holistically the level of investment they're making in terms of dollar outlay, people, um, uh, capabilities, and expertise is vastly different. So, for example, I'll see one company who will say, you know, we're going to attack the digital problem, and I'm making up the numbers just for, for, for to make the point. They'll put $10 million and a bunch of C players against it. And then you see other institutions who the CEO comes and says, we're going to be a digital first Company, and they put half a billion dollars, their top A players against it. They tell their shareholders and Wall Street, this is what we're going to go do, and they're all in. And while everyone will say on the surface they're doing digital or operations or analytics or bringing the whole thing together, as we talk about a next generation operating model, the degree at which they're doing it is completely different. So when we talk to our clients, we really try to get them focused on the latter, not the former, making big investments, thinking about long-term big impact and not incremental impact.
0: And what does that mean in terms of that multiplier effect that Ellie was just talking about in terms of these capabilities working together? Are there some examples you could highlight about how that would work in practice?
1: I've been able to work together with some organizations on actually thinking about what would be the art of the possible for some of their key customer journeys, right? And quite honestly, I don't think that urgency or that thinking was there one year or two years ago. I think there is a recognition now that we need to start to think and exercise the muscle to think about how to combine these levers together, right? That capability doesn't exist in the organizations nowadays. So let me, like, one thing that I... You know, I have personally been involved lately in the last few months is walking some of our executive teams through an exercise of pushing them to think about the art of the possible in their organization. And thinking about it like from a different, completely different set of solutions or out of the box, right, from the way they were like, used to problem solving. So, for example, one of the challenges I will throw out there is imagine that you are working in an insurance company or a bank, right? To, you take one of the more traditional end-to-end customer journeys, and I almost tell them, look, you now have the license for the next like couple of hours to forget that you are one executive in your bank or in your insurance company or whatever that is. Imagine that you are for a few minutes, one of the executives at Amazon or at Google, or imagine just to go even crazier that you are Elon Musk and you are trying to solve the problem that you have at hand with a completely different way of thinking, right? Or almost like expanding the the solution set to a place that normally those organizations wouldn't be feeling comfortable to actually go. And that has been very eye-opening for me, at least personally. And uh, I think... Organizations and those leadership teams have come up to the realization that by releasing some of the barriers that come from like thinking in a certain traditional way, right, actually you can come up to a better solution set that will help you combine some of these technologies or capabilities in a way that you were not thinking to combine before.
2: So, when it comes to the next generation operating model concept, I think conceptually people find it easy to digest to at least understand why it's really hard is because you have all these different levers in which you're trying to bring them together. And people's, quite frankly, their careers are based on there's someone who leads analytics in the institution. There's someone who leads digital. There's someone who leads automation. And getting those folks to interact in a way and coordinate in a way is just not easy. They all have their own roadmaps, pipelines, prioritization schedules, and how you get those things to coordinate does require real senior leadership to help coordinate across. And when you see the top team doing that across what are such critical capabilities for companies these days, at least in my observation, you start to see the frontline understand that if those functions can start to work together, we as different frontline operators across different parts of the silo need to start to work together. So I think it's also another way in which when I've seen some companies do that, they leverage that kind of role modeling behavior, and they communicate that down in terms of how they're going to start operating for the front line. And usually the front line is thrilled because historically they've been getting bombarded by, you know, analytic initiatives, digital initiatives, automation initiatives, something to do with procurement or outsourcing and offshoring. And now they understand that this is coming together in a holistic way, makes it much, much more tangible for them and uh, enjoyable to work in.
1: The one other thing that I add to what Alex has said, I think many times what we find that one of the barriers or one of the common things that we would we hear when we challenge the status quo and the, that institutional way of thinking is, well, you know what, that would be great to do, right? That's a great idea to combine all of that together, but we don't have the systems. We don't, we don't have the IT architecture behind When you actually go into the root cause on why we believe some of those things that we are reimagining are actually not possible, it starts with the IT answer or regulation or compliance, but it often ends up being actually a mindset shift.
0: That's a great set of answers, but I'm afraid we're out of time. Thank you, Alex and Ellie, for joining me for this conversation.
1: It was a pleasure, Bar.
2: Thank you, Bar, for the time.
0: You can learn more about next-generation operating models by visiting Digital McKinsey on mckinsey.com. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.